Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hello, I'm Mayhem. Hello, I'm Chaos, and, and our happiness is egg-shaped. Happiness is egg-shaped, and loves a circle with no end. No, it's not this last night, and he said happiness is egg-shaped. Wait, um, happiness is egg-shaped. Happiness is egg-shaped, and loves a circle with no end. Hello and welcome to the Happiness Is Podcast with me, your host, Bruce Aitchison, and we are back with another huge hitter and somebody that I am so pleased to get in there right now before she hits her screens and will be in our living rooms telling us about what's going on in the land of the long white cloud with the Women's World Cup in New Zealand about to kick off. What can I say about this lady who has performed at the highest level and whenever you read and whenever you speak to anyone, the same things come up best teammate you'll ever have, humble, modest, always available for others and never gives herself the credit for it. So I've no doubt when I bring her on, she's going to say no way and be a little bit embarrassed, but let's do it anyway for a Scottish legend, the one and the only and soon to be all over our TV screens, Debs McCormack. Hello. Hi Bruce, how you doing? Yeah, good. There it is. There's that humble, shy response that I was expecting. What is it? What does it feel like when you hear your teammates give you that praise? That's the best praise in the world, isn't it, when it comes from your teammates? Yeah, it's lovely to hear. It's, it, it gets that real family feel, and it's, um, it's nice to know that you can be a support to people off the pitch um, as well as on the pitch, hopefully. And you've, I've, I've read things where you've been quoted and saying, they're like my sisters. Is that genuinely how it felt? Yeah, definitely. Especially when you're in that environment and it's so, you're kind of in a bubble. So you have to lean on people and you end up being like a family, like I say, and um, 
like sisters and sometimes because I was one of the older ones it's a bit of a mum role as well older sister auntie that kind of <laughs> thing but um no, uh, it, it was really good close-knit um family type environment and there's quite a few of the players I saw Jade Conco now Jade Conco Roberts saying that you were always available for a cup of tea yeah, we like to have a cup of tea, which uh, probably reinforces the the sort of mum older type. <laughs> um, Jade always took that. To be fair, Jade was probably worse than I was. Um, even though she was younger, she would be like in a fluffy dressing gown and uh, slippers with a cup of tea at, at eight pm. So um, <laughs> I would join. I'm not quite to that extent, but um, we'd always have a cup of tea. In the yeah. I love it. I, I I loved reading the stuff about you and the the articles and and they always had to, I always felt like they had to go and ask other people about you because you're never a big fan of talking about yourself. Uh, no, I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got news for you. It's going to have to happen now. <laughs> so how how did it how how did it start? How did rugby start for you? Uh, so I was 10 and um, my brother was playing and I used to go along with my dad and watch and cheer him on and I remember being on the sidelines and just sort of running up and down and wanting to get involved and it was his, his coach that was like well let's get you on the pitch then and uh, yeah so obviously he was a little bit older than me so I joined the, the team two years below that but it was also like seeing him I, li I looked up to him I probably didn't say at the time but um, anything he could do, I wanted to do as well. So I was like, yeah, have a go. But, um, yeah, I just loved it. So it didn't bother you that there wasn't a female to follow? No, because to be honest, I just saw it as rugby. And um, at that time, it was it was minis, it was mixed. And I was, I think when I first started, I was the only girl on the team. And then the next year, there was two of us. Um, Rachel Burford also played at Medway. She was a a year younger than me so she was the only girl in her team as well and it didn't really feel like um female male rugby it was just rugby so um yeah it, it didn't bother me that I didn't at that stage I didn't see it I think when after after 12 we couldn't play with the boys anymore so um our club really fortunate we had an under 16s team and at that time, it was 12 to 16-year-olds all playing together. Um, so I was really fortunate I could go straight into that team. Um, it was a bit daunting, to be fair. I mean, you've got a 16-year-old teenager. And, you know, I think I was like 11 coming up 12, coming into that team. And it is a bit... <laughs> um, but they then become the role models. And you see them and you see them smashing up the pitch and really athletic. And that's when you say, I want to be like those and without probably realising it at the time, um, following their footsteps. Um, and then again, after that, it was 16 into women's. So I did the same thing then with the full women's team, a 16-year-old rocking up. Um, I was put on the wing, believe it or not. Um, <laughs> this, uh, yeah, this little uh, second row put on the wing and uh, brought in for the line-outs and... Uh, <laughs> thrown up in the end and put back on my wings keep me out of danger and you've got like full-grown adults which you know and i had Anne robertson um in the team who ex scotland international 
as uh, English ex English internationals as well, and obviously Rachel Burford came in as well, and it was just so many individual people, but not even just like international honours. These people that would just rock up and not necessarily, you know, they might not put the work in outside of it, but they would just come on the pitch and they would absolutely just smash it out of the park and just natural ability and. Of, yeah, just were in awe of those, and they were great people off the pitch as well. So, socially, you could chat to them, and that's probably where maybe I've got some of that like team teammate vibes from because I could always lean on those people, and they were like my big sisters, and you know, people that I could chat to and talk to rugby about, and you know, they would say to me, Don't worry about this, or this will come with confidence. and you know, working on the small things and the, those small little chats, maybe not with a cup of tea, but um, <laughs> maybe in the bar afterwards, um, back in those days. Um, but yeah, just, just those little chats and those things are massive, I think, when you're developing as a rugby player, just uh, small input, but um, constant and that support network. That That's pretty much the most beautiful club story you can tell that sounds almost idyllic but when we had birth on she did tell us about shandy's on the slope at the rugby club was that something that happened yeah like i said there wasn't so many cup of teas um <laughs> it was more boat races and to be fair, was um was amongst great to be fair to her um I wasn't so good at that, um, but yeah, it was it was a very sh social club, so we sh sh shall we say. <laughs> and there there must have been challenges to be, you know, the game was still amateur. I, I can't imagine you had any idea that we'd be sitting here now and you were going to be on TV talking about not necessarily a professional World Cup, but pretty close, certainly the closest we've ever been. Um, you can't possibly have been able to look into your crystal ball and see this journey. So you were just doing it because you loved it. Yeah, definitely. And I think, to be fair, a lot of the players, even in the professional professional era just now, they still do it because they love it. They're not doing it for the wages, for the contracts. They're doing it because they love it. And it's great that it's professional. They do get paid and supported, supported to do something they love. And... I hope with the development of the professional era that we don't lose that because I think that's what makes yeah, the women's game particularly great because it's that passion, it's that drive, it's everyone's on that pitch because they want to play. And I'm not saying that's not there in the men's professional game. I'm just saying it's it's a slightly different beast. And and we've got to accept that, haven't we? And that's something I've spoken to others about that that look of loving it you know you got cb walking around with a smile on her face and they're accessible on social media and they're churning out tiktoks and i i'm not quite sure that the men would probably cop some abuse for that because they weren't taking it seriously whereas the women are taking it seriously but it's a different thing and it it's so refreshing and it's engaging people yeah yeah and it's visible as well. Like you say, people can see that. And there's the engagement from from the young kids seeing it to say, wow, they look like 
they're having fun and look what they're doing on the pitch. It's not like, oh, they're getting paid and they're on the pitch. It's mm. they're having fun, they're enjoying it and look how well they're doing. So when when you were that teenage rugby player, there must have been other things that you, you were keen and interested in. What was it that sold rugby ahead of those other things? Um, to be honest, like I, I tried different sports when I was younger. I would play football as well. Um, I think rugby just sucks you in. The, the whole environment, you just get absolutely, you know, engrossed in it. And like I say, the social side of it, and it, it does become a family. So everything centers around that and you put so much time and energy in it. There's not much space for anything else. So um, I'm glad I found it when I did um, to allow myself to, to be fully absorbed into it. And uh, yeah, I've, I'm sad that I kind of I ducked out a little bit um, in uh, sort of, uh, what was I, a sort of early, early 20s, I came away for a bit and then came back to it and I'm so so glad I came back to it it's yeah it's like it's like a missing piece when you come back to it and yeah for people that like are not involved in rugby it sounds so weird doesn't it and it's almost a bit over the top but it's not it's it really is such a big thing and such a big part of your life and everything like physically mentally socially um yeah it's it's massive so I love it I, I just love what you said there. Uh, and and a lot of people are glad you came back. Let's put that on record. A lot of people are glad that you came back. But you just said two things there that I'm not buying. I'm totally absor absorbed in it and I've not got time for anything else. You've had time for a whole heap of other stuff and been able to perform at the level you've performed. How do you go about that? How, I mean, there are younger players now who would look at, your journey and go how the hell did she manage to do all that i mean off the field you're you're not getting that time to rest and recover and relax for that next session and you must have had to spend a whole load of your own money to follow this passion how did you manage that situation well it's a bit of a juggling act isn't it and like people say about preparation but it, it is key if you can be prepared um and you can you know plan things adequately you can you can do it um but it did help massively with the support from my family like just them even just being aware and just knowing that you know i can't make this or making allowances and you know mum making sure i've got a hot dinner for when i come home from training at you know half past 10 at night bless her little note on the side and you know things like that but um yeah, just a support network is absolutely key. So having people around you that are aware of what you are juggling. So, you know, if, if you're trying to do uni, school, um, things like that, just make people aware of what you are trying to achieve and, like, other commitments that you might have. There might not be things that they can do, but if they're aware, there may be some allowances. Um speaking to other people um to help with travel for example if you can car share or if you can you know you can grab a lift for someone so you can have a quick nap in the back while they're driving in you drive back and they have a nap you know it's just about preparation planning and if if you're passionate about it and you want to do it you'll find the time and i've always said that it's 
you'll find the time for the things that you want to do. Amen. Yes, I love that. Now, a part of the the thing of being that good teammate and being involved and loving it, and you had some role models, you then formed some pretty strong partnerships with people that you locked down with for for a lot of time. Now, I can't even begin to pretend I know what goes on in the scrum and that bond that you have with someone that basically you're cuddling to hurt other people or drive it. You know, it's just nonsense. I don't understand why you do it. What's it like being in the boiler house with with some of those players and how do you build that really strong relationship with, with the person you're stood right next to? Yeah, to be honest, you don't want to know what happens in the game. <laughs> what goes there stays in there. <laughs> um, it's hard work in, in the second row and it's um, quite brutal at times. But when you've got someone next to you, literally right next to you, you uh, you do it together and you, you know, um, I remember with, with Emma, we would, um, you know, swap sides sometimes with little niggles and we're like, both had dodgy shoulders at one point and we're like, dodgy shoulder this, dodgy shoulder that. And, you know, and my one's worse than yours today, so let's do this. And um, it's just, it's almost like an unspoken sort of code. You both know what's going on and you're both there for each other. You don't think about it too much, but yeah, you, you've definitely got each other's backs because you know the the work that you have to get through and that, that we don't get the glory that the backs do as such. <laughs> you know, that, that horrible uh, do the dishes work, as, as someone um, once put it to me. Um, you know, so, yeah, we have to do the hard work, but we do it together and uh, it's a good partnership. How does that fit with your personality that you're in there doing that work, like you say, that you maybe don't get the credit for or it's not not necessarily on the highlight reel? How does that fit with with you as as that woman who, right, I'm willing to do all that for this outcome? I think that's ideal because it's it's a it's a piece of the puzzle for the team. So if I do my job right, I know that the rest of the team are going to do theirs as well, and it's going to fit and it's going to make um, us achieve our goals for that game. So you know, if I have an effective clear hour ruck, we're going to get quick ball and um, the backs are going to be able to play with it. If I don't do that and it's slow, the backs don't get their ball, and that's that's down to me. So I do my job. Yeah, I might not get on the highlights reel, but the back will. And I know that I played a part in that. So <laughs> it's a team effort, isn't it? It's a team game. So we've all got to do our job. And um, yeah, there's there's not always the the shiny fun jobs. Of, um, and I'm sure the back probably be shouting me saying it's not always shiny and fun. Um, but uh, yeah. So sometimes we get to the ball game. For the last six years, Boots has been making rugby happen at the grassroots level. Please get involved and go to www.fybrugby.com to register your club or to register as a player and join the online community to make sure that games continue to happen in the future. Join in clubs with players and players with clubs to make sure that we can keep the club game as strong as possible. Fill your boots, bring in rugby together.
Yeah, you did. You did. I know that for certain. You did. You, you've already mentioned her, and she, she's now flown off to New Zealand. How does it feel to have built that really strong relationship with someone like Emma Wassell? And you know, you see her collecting over fifty caps and getting to do what she's doing. Is is there a little bit of green-eyed monster? Are you a little bit jealous, or is it just a heart full of pride? Oh no, I'm so so proud of her because it's like we've got our first caps together um, on the same day against Ireland in 2014. So you know we started our journey together, and it's I'm so so proud of her. She's got what 57 caps now, I think, and you know she's still a friend today. So it's every time I see her, like I'll send her a message, or you know I can chat line outs with her and. Uh, yeah, just have a bit of banter. Yeah, it's great. It's it like I'm still involved in a in a little way when I see her because I'm like I know she's doing it and and yeah, I would obviously love to be there with her. Not now, obviously, body's too old and broken for that. But <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's great to see. Definitely, she's got so much more to come as well. I think, which is the exciting thing. And with this, you know, new contract era with them it's it's really exciting to see where it's going to go and how her rugby is going to develop further because we've seen her grow as a player over the past couple of seasons and she's been down at Loughborough and doing amazingly as well so I think she'll be uh, key for Scotland in New Zealand as well so I'm excited to see. I've spoken to quite a lot of locks and there are those who love line outs and could sit and talk about it for days and days. And there are those that just want them all and are not interested in the slightest. It sounds like you're one of the, the former. Is that over these cups of tea? Is there a whole load of line out chat or does that take a back burner to the banter? Oh, no, I love line outs. Like, <laughs> I will unapologetically say I'm like, I just will chat line out to anyone that will chat with me. Um, we, it's quite funny if you ask Emma, when I used to be in camp and, uh, Shade Monroe was there, have like little line out club chats and, uh, me and Shade would just be going at it, getting all enthusiastic and you've got, um, Sarah Bonner and Emma kind of rolling their eyes a little bit, <laughs> but they, uh, yeah, to be fair, we've still got a WhatsApp group, um, a little giraffe chat, um, and, uh, Shade and I give a little rundown of, uh, line out sometimes <laughs> love it i love it i don't understand it but i love it i've got no idea what it is you talk about to me it's throw catch and jump but here you go um so you you get to watch these players go off and do what you do and now you're getting to to talk about it i mean how does an opportunity like that come up oh to be fair i think i'm just really fortunate it was um someone contacted me to see um if I'd be interested and absolutely grabbed it with both hands. Um, just to to watch the games and to chat about Scotland's games in particular. Like, I'm so excited. I'm trying to keep the nerves down, not about speaking on TV, but about the actual game. Like, I spoke to um, Rachel earlier and I'm just, I was so overexcited. I'm like, I need to calm down. It's like, I feel like I'm on game day. I'm like, I can't wait for the game. But... Uh, yeah, I'm just so excited to see them play into on the world stage. Like twelve years since the last one is just incredible, and it's just great to get Scotland back on that world stage because they deserve to be there. 
I sat, I think, two seats away from you when Scotland played England um, in the Six Nations at the Dam Health, and it was blue sky and it was sunshine. And I said to you, you should be out there, and you, you sort of gave me a look. Uh, I'm not sure if it was a, a look to kill or, or what it was, but you were on the edge of your seat. I could see you moving with it. I could see you sort of making the tackle and, and jumping in the line out. You've now got this chance to talk about it. Are you are you a good spectator? Are you a fan? Are you an analyst? Obviously, you're a, you're gonna have to be the second one. But do you love watching the game? Yeah. Well, firstly, sorry about the look. <laughs> it was it was deserved. <laughs> yeah, I think it was actually a line out, so you were probably concentrated. Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, I love to watch any rugby. Um, Scotland women in particular, I've obviously watched all of their matches. Um, it's quite a different head to put on to watch a match um, and in a kind of, just kind of sit back and look at it in a in an analysis type way to, to comment fairly. Um, so that's been a bit of a challenge because when you're watching it as a fan or when I was, you kind of just concentrate solely on your team and and not really looking at things in context so you know I've had to sort of watch games now a step back to see what's going on why did that happen so not to go oh yes that was brilliant or oh no but why why wasn't that quite good enough or what happened before that to lead to that um so yeah it's been a bit of a change of perspective but it's actually quite nice to watch a game like that as well because you then see the game as a whole and you see what's going on or what the teams are trying to achieve or, you know, if they do or, or don't achieve it as well. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's been quite but nice. Who are you really looking forward to seeing? Let's start with the Scotland squad first. Who are you looking? Now, you're going to give me some kind of media political answer about all of them, but I'm not I'm not letting you away with that. So so give me some names. Who do you think are are people going to be talking about back here and who's going to sort of come to the attention and maybe a wider audience because of what they, they do in the World Cup? Um, I said it before in um, some like uh, a pre-interview thing about um, Emma Orr. I'm really excited to see her. I know she's not in the starting lineup for this weekend. Um, I think she's got a little niggle, but she'll be back and I think she'll bring really big things. Really excited about her. She's 19 years old and massive things to come for her what I like about her she's got it seems to be a really cool head so she makes decisions and she doesn't she doesn't seem to panic um defensively she's really strong and with ball in hand she seems to make really really good decisions and she's just yeah I think there's a lot to come from her so I'm, I'm really excited to see Emma um couple more, I would say Shona Campbell, another new up-and-coming one. Her feet are just unreal. <laughs> My God. The first time I saw her play, I was like, who is that? She's played a lot of touch. Yes. Well, that obviously shows her feet are unreal and change of pace and evasiveness is just, yeah, brilliant. I'm excited to see her with ball in hand because I think she will light it up. I think she'll be electric. Um. So some of the... I love it that you've gone with two backs. I love it you've gone with two backs. 
obviously i mean um, we won't go to the media political answer but um that across the board i think the squad have got so much to give like 132 um but i will pick out a few more people for you bruce so you don't don't get annoyed <laughs> um I'd say jade jade is is going to be key in giving really big carries and go forward ball and i think she will absolutely give it 110 and she always does but jay's been waiting for this for a very long time and she's suffered a lot of injuries big injuries that she's had to come back for and she's going to be absolutely firing for this world Cup. she was and a huge loss when she was missing wasn't she like you said that go forward and having one less player that was able to really generate that made it tough yeah yeah definitely and like I say, she always gives it her all, but I think this is going to be something special for her and she's going to just absolutely empty the tank. So you'll see on her, um, her wristband, she always writes things and she has a ETT, which is empty the tank, and she always writes that to remind herself that she just has to give it absolutely everything because you don't know when your last game will be, do you? So, And Jade's a great one for, you know, just absolutely giving everything for the team at that moment and not keeping anything back. So, yeah, she'll be exciting to watch. And I wouldn't be surprised if she's one of the top, you know, ball carriers in the in the tournament. So, uh, yeah, Jade, um, I can't not say Emma, can I? <laughs> Probably not without getting abuse on WhatsApp. Uh, she, <laughs> she would be after you if you ignored her. But we know what she's going to do. She's going to catch the line out, isn't she? <laughs> she is, but, you know... With Emma, she's a, the absolute rock queen. You know, she will, you, you won't see her because she'll be there just doing her job and she'll get across and she'll be the first or second one there every time and she'll be effective when she's there. She's not just there to make up numbers, you know, and if she sees it's on, she will absolutely disrupt. So, you know, a breakdown, Emma, Emma's your girl, she'll she'll be there and she'll, uh, she'll cause a bit of a ruckus at the ruck. <laughs> A ruckus at the ruck. And who, I mean, some of the other squads, the English squad is outrageous. Talking of depth, I mean, some of the players there are, well, they're the best in the world in their position, quite a, quite a lot of them. What what do you think is realistic? Are they going there and they're the absolute outright favourites? Yeah, I think we can't ignore the fact that they are, like you say, the if you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist 
specialist to find out if it's right for you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The depth in their squad is outrageous, and you could put any of those on starting confidently. Um, you know, you could split two teams out of out of that squad, and they could play each other. And I wouldn't know who would who would win. To be fair, um, they've won twenty five games on the bounce. That will give them confidence. They are going in as favourites, but I wouldn't underestimate New Zealand. They haven't been on the greatest form over the past year, but they're at home and that has a massive impact. That home crowd got sold out Eden Park for the first first day is yeah, awesome. And we I think that's just gonna be a massive that's gonna be their sixteenth player on the pitch. And I think that's really, really gonna help them. So yeah, I, I'm not gonna call who's gonna win. Um England I think are gonna be favourites, but I'm not calling them for necessary for them to win it necessarily. Scotland have got because of the the player pool, a lot of the players have played in the sevens. Um you know, Lisa and Rona and Shona and Emma and a whole load of the names that, that are there. New Zealand have added some of the, you know, the unbelievable Simmons players that they've got have, have now been added to the squad. Do you think that's, you know, is that bringing in the best players and going for it rather than leaving them? Because Australia haven't, don't seem to have picked some of their Simmons players. They, they almost look like they're treating them as two different games. Do you think that's going to add something to the New Zealand squad that maybe England haven't seen before or gives them a little kick up the backside to to, to go for it? Yeah, I think with New Zealand especially, um, their players are quite used to a bit of a crossover, like Portia Woodman, for example. Unreal. Um, you know, she, she slots in seamlessly 7s to 15s. And you know, we can't deny that 15s and 7s are completely different games and it is very difficult to to kind of slot back in from one form to another. So for New Zealand, I think it's strength for them to be able to bring those players back in. Perhaps with Australia, I mean, Shani Williams is coming back in from 7s, which is, which is great for them. Um, but if Australia... I think it's good that they've got those sevens girls in and I know that they can add something to the 15s team. I don't think it's just that they're, you know, fast players from sevens. They are 15s players as well and they can make an impact. So, yeah, I think that's really good for New Zealand. Hopefully, this tournament is going to bring the game, but also the players as individuals into a wider audience maybe accelerate their status you know give them opportunities to pick up other things that they want sponsorship and you know contracts and maybe be, being able to go and play for a team that will make them a professional can you look at 
the World Cup and see players that you think that's who we're going to be talking about. You know, like Ellie Kildun for England, she is just outrageous. I think Helena Rowland's one of the best players on the planet. And then you've you've still got Zoe Oldcroft, who is the best player or world player. So there's a whole load of English players that we maybe already know. You've already mentioned like so Portia Woodman, who I think we're going to, if you didn't know her, you're going to know her. But is there anyone else that you can look at and think we're going to be talking about her? I would say there's a few of the Aussie players. Um, I know a couple of them are coming over to Harlequins. You've got Arabella McKenzie, um, Chancellor, and another, I can't think of the top of my head. Um, so there are, and obviously a few of the USA players, they play Exeter. We've got a lot of um, internationals in the Prem, Allianz Premier 15s at the moment. Um, but I think the likes of these Aussie players coming across, I think that will massively help develop their game. They're going to have competitive games week on week. Um, I actually played with um, Bella McKenzie um, when I was in Sydney, and she's still really young, but she's she's such a good player. And she's she's she controls the game really well. So I think if she's got players for the likes of Harlequins that she's playing with week in week out, that she can manage and you know playing against as well it's just going to develop her game even further so we're going to see players at this world cup that we're going to say yeah you know they're they're going to be you know big names to come and it only adds that they're coming over some of them are coming over um to you know to add to their game even more so yeah it's exciting what what happens, look into that crystal ball I mentioned before, what happens off the back of this World Cup to the Premier 15s? Oh, to the Premier 15s. Um, I'd say we'll probably see a bit of movement and we'll see more internationals coming across um, because it it is a great model that the RFU have built with the, the Allianz Premier 15s. And it's such a competitive um, environment that undoubtedly, if you want to improve your rugby, you're going to want to go to the place that offers that, where you can develop your um, your rugby amongst the best. Um, so the best attracts the best. And uh, yeah, undoubtedly, we'll see more player movements into the Premier Fifteens. Okay, let, let me play a bit of devil's advocate here then. Is that good for... The development of the game here if these internationals from overseas are coming in to premier 15s right so i guess sort of two sides of the argument you can say that you know the more people that come in the better players that we have develops the players within it the teams and the league itself so it gets more competitive and it just grows from there um i guess in terms of the rfu they've built it to develop their players for England, right? So they want the best of England players within it. But then you have to have, like we say, the best competing with the best to make them the best. So we do need other players coming in and filtering in. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a balance, isn't it? I'm sure the RFU would want to keep it to develop the England players, but we do need other players in as well. And 
yeah, like, I mean, we've seen it with Scotland. We've seen a lot of our players coming down and, you know, look how our players have developed. And But it also, like I say, it's not just for the other nations. It's not just going to benefit, you know, Scotland, USA, Australia. It's It benefits the English players that are in the league because they're playing with and against those players as well. So ultimately that makes them players better. So that does develop the English players for the English league. Jeez, you're good. Jeez, you're good. I like it. Made for TV. Made for TV. So, come on. Right, the, cut to the chase here. That's not a Motherwell accent. <laughs> I wonder when this was coming up. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's not a Motherwell accent. You you and Burf are, you know, almost peas in a pod. How on earth did you end up coming up here? Um, yeah, so I grew up in Kent, um, played at Medway, uh, same as Rachel, which is where this slightly Essex, London comes from. Um, yeah, but my my grand, my grand, as far as I'm aware, my grand did not play rugby, but she um, she came from Motherwell. She moved down to London during the war to help with the war effort because she was super strong, and that's what you know, grand was uh, was the best. And uh, yeah, so I, when I first got involved with Scotland Rugby, I was playing at Richmond and the coach at the time was Karen Findlay, who had just finished. Legend. With, yeah, with Legend. Uh, Scotland Rugby then. So she found out that I was qualified um, and she told me to go up to trials. And it was literally like two, week, two weekends time or something. And I was like, oh gosh, right, okay. So I uh, went online to try and, book a flight and uh yeah it was like last minute so it's like super expensive because I was a student at the time I was like ah so I paid for that and then I had to get like um, I stayed in this like hostel that was it was fine but that's all the money I had left you know so I was in this like bunk bed hostel and uh got my BA flight up but uh yeah the next day turned up to to this open trial day and uh uh, it's going to sound so, like, uh, <laughs> cliche, but as soon as I got in that environment, it literally just fit. Like, I knew that that's where I wanted to be and I should be. And, yeah, I just, it just felt right. Who who did you meet? I remember being in the changing rooms and Lindsay Smith came up to me and uh, she said... Another legend. Yeah, yeah, and uh, it all, um, Jock Karen Finley told me that um, you were coming up. I just wanted to say hi, and you know, and I was like, oh, that's nice. And I remember Lindsay Wheeler as well in the changing rooms because she was at Richmond as well. So um, yeah, it was a really daunting prospect because I didn't really know anyone. Um, but like I say, it was it's really weird, but it just it was just right from the very start. It was just right. Can I just say that I'm I'm really disappointed that Karen Finley's nickname was Jock. There's not a huge amount of imagination in that, is there? Come on, come on. So you you come up here and you, it feels right. Scotland's the place for you. What what happened next? You turn up to a trial. I mean, you've registered online. They've obviously done a bit of background. Jock's passed it on. You need to get hold of hold of this player. What what then starts to happen? Does it just unravel in front of you? 
Yeah, a little bit of a whirlwind, really. It was, um, so that was 2013. Um, we had a few sort of warm-up games, but at, at that time, it, I think we played like the Irish Exiles or, or something like that in the backfields of Murrayfield. And um, yeah, it was, it, but then it just sort of felt like we had training matches and camps and then boom, Six Nations, you know, and that first game I was starting and I was literally felt like, a rabbit in, or deer in headlights um, or giraffe in headlights. <laughs> um, but yeah, when the whistle goes, you just you just play because you just focused on it. But standing there on the anthems was just, I mean, such a special moment, but so, so scary. <laughs> Big moment. Hello, my name is Bruce Aitchison from Happiness is Egg-Shaped and I am here to tell you where you can get your Happiness is Egg-Shaped merchandise. Go to www.halbro.com and search for Happiness is Egg-Shaped in the stores. We've got it all. Umbrellas, snoots, hats, towels for when you eventually get to go on holiday to the beach or by the pool. We've got hoodies, we've got t-shirts, we've got all sorts going on there. Check it out. Get your Happiness is Egg-Shaped merchandise. You can get it all coloured up for your favourite team or for your country, get involved because you know, I know, everybody knows, happiness is egg-shaped. But you, you obviously loved it and, you know, you, you speak with such passion and although you don't necessarily like talking about yourself, the way you talk about the game we get an amazing feeling as to the the type of person you are playing for Scotland takes passion. You know, there's not the resources, there's not the play in depth at the time you were coming in, you had to do a lot of things for yourself and, you know, battle and scrap for, for things that you needed to perform at the best. Does that just make you stronger and better and closer together? Yeah. And I think when I look back, like that first six nations in 2014, over the whole campaign, we scored five points. It was defeat after defeat after defeat. And it was 40, 50, 60 points plus. So, you know, a lot of those games, a lot of the time we were under the post together. And it builds resilience and it builds character because you have to get yourself back up time and time again. You have to say, right, let's keep going. What can we do differently? What can we change now? Let's next focus. Let's go again. Because it's so easy to say, all right, this, that's the sixth try. That's the seventh try. Well, let's just, let's hope the clock runs down. You know, it's, it's too easy to do that. So what was, although, you know, it's not ideal to be beaten like that all the time. It does, it does build resilience and you have to come together and you have to be close and that sort of Scottish grit, passion, and that fight to say, no, we're going to keep going. Yeah, you might be scoring against us, but we're not giving up. We're going to keep coming at you. And I think, you know, Shane Monroe once said to us that you have to learn to lose before you can win. And those games taught us <laughs> harsh lessons. And obviously, we there's other lessons around that, but that brings you closer as a team, definitely. And you go back down to London Village, having maybe taken a paste in, and you go back into the club changing room. What what was that like? 
to be fair, like they're re- like I think I was playing for Richmond at the time, and uh, my teammates are just really supportive, and you know, saying it was great to see you, and like unlucky, and you know, all the right things. It's and and you got like England teammates there as well when they've beaten you like sixty five nil, and you know, they're good people, and you know, they, they won't just they'll give you like small things or like you know it was it was this or, or you know you can chat about it in a good place because off the pitch when the rugby's done we're all just rugby players you know and and it's not you're not in the fight of the moment so you can take a step back and talk about it and that's what's good about the rugby family isn't it you can just you can talk about it and reflect and yeah that that's good and when you're on the pitch obviously teammates you can have that bit of extra nudge but then <laughs> off it it's you're just back to being teammates again i think it's amazing now i read a little bit about when you stopped um how difficult was that when when it was time up yeah really difficult to be fair it was um it was a sort of long drawn out process. It, it all came from a, a shoulder injury um, that I got playing for Harlequins. And it was just a sort of long, really muddled sort of injury. We never really got to the bottom of it. Um, we got to a place where we thought it was okay and could come back and it wasn't quite. And then it got to the point because we couldn't really work out what the problem was. We just thought, right, we'll just we'll just get on with it. And I was quite happy to do that. And, you know, I had injections in my neck to try and, you know, you know, numb the nerves. And I was taking so many um like painkiller drugs, like all the time, not just before the, the games, like just to get through everyday stuff. And when I reflect on that, like that was a bit much, but I didn't realise it at the time because I wanted so much to keep playing to get back to where I was, um, and uh, to be honest, it affected me a bit mentally as well. So, because I couldn't get back playing to the place I was because my injury, it's it's hard. You want it so much. You fit, you're being told that there's there's nothing wrong with your shoulder as such, so you want to get on with it but you can't because there's something wrong with your shoulder. <laughs> but yeah, it's difficult. And then obviously I came back a bit too soon. Um, I think it was the Six Nations, 2019, maybe Six Nations. I missed out on the first game and then Shade brought me back to the Ireland game. Now I was only supposed to come in camp just to come back into the environment and to just sort of train. Um, and then there was a last minute in- injury and, uh, I didn't even go to the bench, I went straight to starting. I think because they wasn't sure of my shoulder, they were like, well, we'll start you and if we have to, we'll, we'll bring you off. Um, and that is what happened. Um, because it just, it wasn't good enough. And defensively, I wasn't good enough and I know that. And on reflecting, should I have been playing? No. But if you ask me, will you play? It will absolutely be a yes all the time. Um, you know, my order <clears throat> could have been hanging off and I would have said yes, tap it up, let's let's go. Um so yeah, that may not have been the, the right decision. 
and from there it 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 didn't get any better and so I needed to go away and sort of rehab get better and get some solid game time under my belt but I couldn't get myself back to that point and then I sort of spiraled there and mentally got in a bit of a tricky place started to fall out of love with rugby a little bit um yeah it it's a bit difficult to talk about to be honest but um yeah I remember like being at training and um just sort of sitting in the car one day um and I couldn't get out I couldn't go and I drove home I don't know I'll get upset now but um yeah it was difficult is that I mean you put so much into it and it it wasn't the thing you were doing nine till five had had it become a too big a part of your identity yeah probably i probably you put a lot of pressure on yourself as well don't you to to want to perform and to get back to a point where you know you can be but if your body's not allowing it then then you can't and i wasn't accepting that because also i was being told that I should be able to. Um, so yeah, it was difficult, but it's. I knew it, it took a while. I knew at the time then that I had to to step away, and um, yeah, it's always difficult to end something that you love, isn't it? But I'm really grateful to still be involved in rugby, and I did have to take a little bit of time completely away from it because I needed to get that separation and to say well that's that's not my whole identity and it's it's a part of me but it's not who I am it just makes up who I am it's it's not the whole of me so um I'm in a good place now and I'm yeah super super thrilled to be involved in the, the tv stuff because like I said to you earlier I'm so excited I feel like it's game day I'm like back in it brilliant and that's a good feeling to have and it's good you've been able to rediscover it somewhere else i'll just just to finish on that so is that a story then and is that an experience that you can use to help emma in future sarah in future jade in future is that or do you think maybe this generation because they're hearing prepare for other things do other things have their involvement jade's now firefighter or do you, is there still a place for you to tell those stories? Yeah, I think so. I think it's important. And everyone that's come before, they've all got their own stories from their own journeys. And I think it's so important to have those stories told. We were, we touched on it earlier about um, past players like, um, in Scotland, the Fissile Group in particular. Um, every person's journey is different. So if we can just learn something little from everyone, you know that that's going to help that player that that comes after us um and it's not just on pitch stuff off pitch stuff it's you know it is a family and you, and you have to like you do in normal families pass pass things on and it's uh so important I love it. And uh, I think these players who have gone off to New Zealand are standing on the shoulders of, of people like you, the the things you've done and the places you've been and the, the relationships and experiences that you've built and you've shared. Uh, I've absolutely loved speaking to you. I'm conscious that I've taken up a, a big bit of your time. You are going to come back, though, because you 
kind of said you would uh, off air, but uh, I, I'm going to get you back because you have to come and tell us what the experience is like during the World Cup and maybe even after. So you've told us a lot about your journey. Can you get that crystal ball back out again? What What's the future? What does what the, the game of rugby look like in 10 years' time? Oh, in 10 years' time. Oh, it's, I feel like it'll be a, a different beast altogether. I feel like it's going to be... People always talk about rugby, women's rugby. For me, it's rugby, but women's rugby is a different different model like it's it's not a different game but it's exciting it's it's it offers something slightly different but it's still rugby if you want to watch rugby go and watch rugby men's women's whatever um but it it needs its own direction so i think what's great like with the tiktok six nations having its own window brilliant and i know there was a resistance to that at the beginning because there is some you know, um, it's great when men's clubs can support women's clubs to get that exposure. Like the likes of Harlequins, so great at, you know, piggybacking the women's team. Not, I don't mean that in a bad sense, but I mean in terms of getting their... Yeah, supporting. On, on board. Um, but yeah, so the Women's Six Nations having its own window that has been absolutely massive and you can see the the fan support and um just like you said the the socials and the channels and the media that comes out of that is dedicated to to rugby women playing rugby you know and i think in 10 years time where we can go from that is just it will be its own entity it will be rugby but it will be this, this new entity this this beast of you know, we it'll be its own thing. It'll be massive, and it's so exciting to see where it's where it's going to go. And for women's sport in general, it's just it's huge, and it's just exploding at the moment. So it's so exciting. Yeah, amen. Uh, I'm going to ask you two questions to finish. The first one is: if you could speak to 16 year old Debs, who is about to go into that that women's environment, if you could speak to her and and give her a a little pearl of wisdom, what would it be? Oh, a little pearl of wisdom. I would say just keep going. Don't doubt yourself um, and have confidence. Have confidence in everything you do. Um, Someone once said to me, doing something is better than doing nothing. So if you're unsure of a decision, back yourself all the way because you've made a decision and you're going with it. Do it with confidence. Because that is better than not making any decision at all. Love it. Okay, the last question. I didn't. I didn't tip you off for this, but guests that come on, they have to finish a sentence for me. Um, and we've had the weird and the wonderful, and we've had the straight up bloody obvious. So let's see where this goes. So for you, Devs McCormack, happiness is the Women's Rugby World Cup. Nice. Nice. And ITV are currently sitting applauding that answer. Well well played. Well, I'm really looking forward to seeing you on TV and I'm going to be able to annoy my wife by going, she's been on the podcast, she's been on the podcast. And my mum will be saying, is that, the one, is that who you had on the podcast? So I'm delighted with that. Thank you so much for coming on. I've loved speaking to you. Um, and I hope the future is very bright and we'll, we'll be sitting in our armchairs watching and listening to that supporter come analyst now. 
It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Bruce. Thank you so much. How good. How good. What a role model. What an absolutely amazing person and someone who has done it through rugby. I'm going to read you this. I didn't want to do it when she was on. For Debs, the team collective was more important than her own ambitions, and she stuck to that maxim, even to the detriment of her health. Now, whether that was the right or wrong thing to do, it was definitely done with the best intentions. She's an amazing teammate. And that's what we all want. That's what we should aspire to be. What a great role model. The future is very bright, I think. The future is very bright. If you've enjoyed it, you can catch us on Apple, Acast and Spotify. If you want to watch, you can have a look on Facebook and YouTube. There's loads on there. Check out the back catalogue and hopefully we'll see Debs back on here again to talk more about the World Cup and the future of the game and also maybe a little bit more about her journey. I've absolutely loved it again and the future is very bright as we get closer to number 100. My name is Bruce Aitchison from the Happy Happiness podcast and my happiness is egg-shaped. Until the next time, I look forward to seeing you all again very, very soon. Hello, I'm Mayhem. Hello, I'm Chaos. And our happiness is egg-shaped. Happiness is egg-shaped and love's a circle with no end. No, it's not, not about this last night. I said happiness is egg-shaped. Hey, um, happiness is egg-shaped. Happiness is egg-shaped and love's a circle with no end. 